episode 24 of Gaming and BS. Sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character folio. Thanks for tuning in to Gaming and BS. This is one of your hosts, Sean. We're a tabletop uh, RPG podcast. Hi, Sean. This is Brett. Good to see you again. That's Brett, the other co-host. Thanks for joining exactly. us. <laughs> I think I think I can say that this one will be better than the last one. I'm hoping. Can't be much worse. So, Sean, have you got any announcements for us today? Anything new, exciting, crazy? No, I don't have any announcements. Um, I'm trying to think. Think. No, I don't have any. Do you? Nothing. It's always about Nothing me, Nothing over man. here. Always. I'm feeling, yeah, I know. I just, I'm feeling a little down, feeling under the weather, that is. I think one of my um, children has brought home some sort of plague from school and I'm save versus it, save versus d- disease yes my, uh, yeah now it's that time when you're like damn i wish it was a paladin just that whole immune to disease thing that have been handy but anyway moving on moving on all right that's enough random encounter uh, i don't have anything for random encounter we didn't uh, any- we actually had one person who said something nice about our last episode shane. and that was chris chris was shane? well was chris, Sh- shane emailed in so Shane, he's emailed us before. Yep. And, he, and uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Chris. Yeah, Chris Hussey. Hussey. Hussey? Sorry, my bad. Like as in Chris. Shane <laughs> Shane writes, thanks again for, uh, actually, well, man, hold on a second. I have these things for nothing. Random encounter. There we go. Sound effects. I like I know, that. man. Thanks again for talk on wikis and digital campaign design. Ultimately, I decided to go with something I know and like, and that would let me create the pages as I wanted to look. I have for some time tried to keep ahead of my players by creating twisted campaign settings that are expandable enough to accommodate anything my players want to do and are system neutral enough that we can hybridize anything we like from game or edition to fuse into our Osric-like gaming madness. This time I create... This time I am creating something that will surprise me as much as the players. I created a world in which creation itself is constantly in flux. Nice. In which noble acts literally give rise to the land while dark corruption shocks create while dark corruption shocks create chasms into the landscape. I created a short series of random tables that describes the basics of life, plant, animal, insectoid, aberrant. Then I created separate tables for society politics. Then I created separate tables for society politics and physical hierarchy. Oh, cool! So he's going. He's harkening back to the episode twenty-two when we talked about wikis and information dissemination. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, and then he says, "In the location deep in a corruptive chasm, or high in a lofty spire." Okay. So once the basics of location and beings were established, I went to Pinterest and searched through images for the players to relate to. The realm is set up as an every, ever-changing and ever-expanding domain in which we can trade DMs or entire systems. The first location framework is ready up on the site, which is hidden from search engines. Here's the link, which he provided and. I don't know if you wanted me to share that out, but nonetheless, let me know what you think. And if you don't like it, it's fine. It's our homebrew anyway. And that's that's exactly the approach I would say, too. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks for writing in again, Shane. Uh, good luck on the campaign. Drop us a line and, and let us know how it goes. Um, and even like how you're using your, the wiki or your setup and how you like it or how, you know, how your players like it. Yeah, because any – I mean – at the end of the day, when you're a game master, the best thing, well, any tools you can get that will are easy for you to use that will help you get the information to the player so that they can, you know, interact with the world appropriately and make characters that do all the right stuff. That's all cool. 
Yeah. Chris Hussey had written in about uh, the last episode, episode 23, which will no longer be discussed after this. And um, he, he mentioned that he uh, actually uses his RPG on his uh, resume slash LinkedIn profile. Or at least he said he thinks it's still there. Kind of a cool little get to. Uh, uh, I've seen, I, I've got some personal stuff on my resume as well. Sometimes kind of the, at the bottom end of it, other skills or interests, hobbies type of things. And uh, I can see definitely adding that in there. Well, that's right. He wrote that. I thought we mentioned that in the last one. No, I don't remember. Yeah, you did. Let's get, uh, let's do this thing. Let's go to our sponsor quickly. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it. He can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right. So the topic for the evening is... Railroads <laughs> and nice. sandboxes. You should have had some kind of ocean sound effect for the sandbox that we'd feel I, like around. I looked, I tried Googled sandbox sound effect. <laughs> and there's nothing. Well, there's a ton because there's something called sandbox uh, that's an audio app. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. But I didn't get like, I was, I don't know, scooping of sand. <laughs> What's sand sound like? <laughs> What happened was Sean and I were chatting about – actually, Alex, Cameron, and I were talking about this just before we got playing with Frank. And then Sean came up, and we were talking kind of about the same thing, like the whole concept of the railroad adventure when, you know, the Game Master – the classic is – Game Master says, this happens. Then you react, you react, and then that person says, okay, then this next thing happens. You react, react, okay, then this next thing happens. React, react, okay, then you die. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's just kind of this – you feel like you, you've hopped on these rails and there is no getting off from one end to the other. And then we kind of started talking a little bit about sandboxes and that type of thing. But, and then we got whisked off to the, uh, to the actual game hole to uh, game with Frank. So that was kind of where that conversation died. Figured I might as well pick her back up here. Yeah, and we I know plenty. I mean, if you're going to do an RPG podcast uh, that isn't like actual play or, oh, I don't know. If it's going to be a podcast or you're going to talk about just gaming in general, railroading, and I say role-playing games in general, railroading is going to be a topic some, everybody's going to talk about at some point. So this is our episode on railroads and sandbox versus the sandbox, I guess. So, Sean, when we talk railroad, how would you define a railroad? Is there a clear definition in your head or what do you think? It's this big, huge, like, locomotive thing that's on two, like, Metal. I'm punch you! I swear to God, I'm gonna hit you. <laughs> in in reference to what we're talking about. <laughs> no, so a railroad adventure. I mean, how do you? Is it one of those things where you know it when you're in it, or ah, what do you think? Oh, yeah, that's the key right there. I think. Yes. Well, I won't divulge the secret, but it is. I would define a railroad where the uh, and I've, I'm kind of biased because, you know, just recently, I think I listened to like two episodes on railroading. And now I'm going to take probably some of the things that I listen and subliminally and unconsciously bring them out. Through. Oh, do it. That's fine. So one of, one of the things is that I my definition, if you will, of railroading in role-playing games is when the game master is an insistent upon taking the players down a specific path that the players may not necessarily want to go, but they tend to really try to force the issue. And I've heard it phrased different ways, and that's just my, and I actually have heard it phrased better, but I'm not going to use other people's, but that's the way I take it. So if I present, I'm Game Master Guy, and I say Brett, because he's my only player, Party of one. <laughs> Nobody else will play with Sean. These fear, are facts. Fear of girls. <laughs> um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the reference, check out Fear of Girls on YouTube. 
Um, but if you, if I say, Brett, hey, okay, where you found a clue or whatever, what are you going to do? Or I, I give him an option and he says, I'm going to go with option A. And I said, no, you got to go to option B. And you go, no, no, I want to go to option A. And I go, no, it, it, that's fine. Um, but you've got to go down option B first. Okay. Kind so, of, that's a bad example, but I, you know, it's something well, to I that think effect. There's two, different, there's two different ways to force a railroad on, on a group. And one of them is the out of game or basically DM to player saying, look, this is the adventure. You know, you're either going to go to the lost caverns or we're done. This is the adventure going to the freaking lost caverns. That's where you're headed. Okay. And uh, it doesn't matter if on the way there you, you know, traveling across whatever wilderness to get there, whatever mountains that you decide, you know, hey, those gnomes we met back in, you know, gnome town or whatever were really cool. I'd like to be able to chat with those guys some more. Or, wow, that seemed like the one thing, the one hint you dropped, I think that might be more interesting than the Lost Caverns. Nope, too bad. This is the Lost Caverns adventure. That's where you're headed. The other way that I have found, at least that that I would say kind of in in game, if you will, is when the world itself, the setting, does not react to what your characters are doing in any way other than the prescribed direction that the Game Master wants you to go. So if you come in there and you say, look, you know, we're a modern-day adventure game, and you're like, you know what, we're <coughs> hunting vampires or we're doing whatever it is. You're based in Chicago. Your group's in Chicago doing whatever nefarious things your group does. And um, some clue, some hint, something says, you know what, screw this. We're going to pick up, and we're going to hop a plane. We're going to New York. I think that's where the lead is taking us. We're going to go over there. And or we're going to beat up this person as opposed to this other person. We're going to take it and go wherever we think we need to go following things along. And the world continues to smack you down and force you in a certain direction. You can't go to New York because the planes to New York are all grounded right now. Right there, you, you go. try to go. You try to go across the river, and no, I'm sorry, none of the boats are working. Oh, there's a torrential rainfall. Rainfall. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, the river's swollen. You can't get there. Um, okay, I you know, I want to make a canoe. There's no trees. You know, oh come on. You know, definitely better examples, and that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Just Brett is <coughs> better versed because I don't know how to convey my ideas and thoughts so now that said though one of the one of my favorite designer guys is ken height and uh, ken has said if a railroad is a, a railroad is okay and i'm totally paraphrasing here if the scenery is nice right if you don't mind getting there if you don't mind the trip because if you go to a con you're going to a convention game and you sit down and it's the lost caverns of the orc king Guess where you're freaking going? You're going to Lost Caverns of the Orc King. That's why. Why would my character want to go there? Yeah. (laughs) So, excuse me. So, in that type of a setting, it's um, I think it works really well. When you you were talking about this a while back with me, Sean, about your your old buddies and where they're like, hey, can't we just get together and game? Just pick a module off the shelf, you know, just freaking throw it on the table and say, hey, we're playing Pharaoh, we're playing Tomb of Horrors, we're playing whatever it is. Or some DCC adventure, anything like that. And there is a cool thing where it does, if you don't mind that, hey, I'm starting here at the entrance to room one. I'm going to get to the end of this thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you get into it quicker. If you know Your characters are designed and built that this is your goal, this is your purpose, is to accomplish this thing. It works really well to me in a convention game, right? No matter what the game is or what the adventure is, if the characters are built, purpose-built, if you will, for that particular story to be told, then it's, in Brett's opinion, pretty much a railroad. You're starting here, and you're going to end up over there. That's the idea. The key is to make it not seem like a railroad. Yes. And one way to do that is to present an idea or an option, and no matter what they pick, they go to the same spot that you would have already had in mind for them. Totally. So if you're talking about your example to what would you say the city or the airport or whatever? Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to leave, you know, city one, you want to get to city two. Right. You know, and that's the key. And you're like, look, I want to get on a plane. Well, like, you know, that's fine. The planes are good. On the way there, we're going to have to ground them in... Detroit, because what I want them to do is go to Detroit, not New York. So we're going to have an emergency issue on the plane. I'll ground right. them in Detroit, and there we go. Otherwise, they should have gone to Detroit following the clue I'd laid. Right. 
But my wonderful players saw right past that and are right. skipping Detroit to go right to the end. So I'm just going to ground them in Detroit. It's a story-based thing. I yep. took what they wanted to do, incorporated it, and just tweaked it a bit. So I think this, uh, yeah. So I think part, we can't really talk about a railroad, whether it's good or bad. I mean, we can go into railroad, railroad. But I think with ours mentioning sandbox, here's my opinion on sandboxes. I don't think I don't think you can run a true sandbox. Now I know I'm gonna have a GM right in, probably not, but somebody may say, Oh, that's totally bunk. Yeah, you can, and I did, and this is how I did it. Um and let me define why I think you cannot do that. <clears throat> because if you try, the player characters won't know what to do. They don't have any anything. So me, I equate it to, all right, we're going to play D&D. You guys are in a town. Oh, actually, stop. Where are you guys? Where are you located? We're uh, in a Dwarven city. Great, you're in a Dwarven city. Great, what in, the Dwarven city. in the Dwarven city. Yeah, exactly. So you, and maybe it's not even that that loose necessarily, but say, for example, I say, okay, you're in Jonestown. I don't know, whatever, Jonestown. And they say, okay. And I say, yep. So you are all together. Um, what do you what what do you want to do? Then and you, there's no there's it, no structure, there's no Yeah, exactly. That's totally what happened. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, when I used to run when I used to run Vampire back in the day, we I was they'd say, Where's the setting? We're in Chicago. Great. Um who's the who's the prince of the city? It's it's Loden, it's this person, it's that. They get a sketch of that stuff. What kind of characters do you want me? I want to make a Gangrel. I want to make a Tremere. I want to make a this. I want to make a that. Great. Go off and do that. Then pull them together. They'd start interacting with their little areas and stuff. And then slowly but surely, you drop clues, hints, and events, and then drive them together and make things happen. That, to me, it's there has to be some structure in the sandbox. And um, Ken Height has used this description before. It's the plastic dinosaur buried in the sandbox. If you only have one plastic dinosaur, which is the cool thing that could happen or that you have in your mind... It could take them a really long time to find any toys to play with if everything's buried. So you have to have a number of different options that are out there. And if you don't want to have all those options leading to one thing, which is basically what we just said as a railroad, if you want each option to be able to take them in, in uh, 15 different directions, I, I guess that's, you know, it feels free. But at the end of the day, if you have 15 different plot hooks out there and they grab number 10, guess what? Now they're following number 10 and they're back on that railroad. I don't, you know, so it's well, kind of exactly goofy. right. And if you're I, in the sandbox and you're exploring enough, you're going to find a cat turd. Just saying. Exactly. You're going to find that one adventure that really sucks. <laughs> and it's not a Lincoln log. Yeah. And I do think that's, that's true. And I think that's so sandbox people are, I think that's how a majority of game masters would run or define a sandbox is where you have multiple hooks, paths, even if they're red herrings or whatever, that you're going to give the players as an option. And it's funny because as soon as they take one, then they're kind of getting on the rails to some degree, right? You kind of have to have one with the other. So I think the only... Not the only, I shouldn't say that because there, there's tons of games out there. But one of the bigger <clears throat> sandbox pre-published modules, by, at least from you know one of the bigger, bigger games out there, is Paizo's Kingmaker game, Kingmaker campaign arc. That's the Adventure Path, the Kingmaker one? It is the Adventure Path, yes. And it's, okay. it's fairly old at this point, but I actually bought it. I bought all of them. And... It's a it's more it's a little bit of a hex crawl. So for people that aren't familiar with a hex crawl, it's really, you know, kind of taking it old school where you get a big huge area map, <clears throat> hex, right? Hence the hex piece. And because in back in the days maps were done using hexes. And well for outdoors maps, of course. Right, you had to for, use hexes. For outdoors maps. And so when you do when you do a hex crawl, uh, you're typically going from one hex to the other, or your journey, you know, your journey's going. And maybe in certain hexes, there's an encounter um, or a landmark or something is occurring in that vicinity of that that space on a map. 
But because it's a wilderness, I don't necessarily have the 10 by 10 corridor that right. forces you to the right or left. You could go from, um, you know, the Cobalt Warren to the Ancient Red Dragon Hex accidentally one right after the other, and I'm third level, you know, in, in that speak. And you get your ass handed to you. So the the thing about the Kingmaker campaign arc is you're giving, well, not to give a whole ton of details, but basically you're given a charter from a leader of the, the, the land to go and explore kind of the, what's like the bandit, not the bandit kingdoms, but the, an area. It's the borderlands, right? I mean, it's this yeah. area that's un, right. it's either uninhabited by civilization or unclaimed or whatever the case Yeah, it's be. been, it's kind of been battled over, but nobody's really laid claim to it. And he wants you to go there and get rid of bandits that's kind of happening and occurring and then explore it and then take it over in the name of the king or the regent or whatever. And then in so doing, uh, over time, you eventually create your own kingdom, hence the name Kingmaker. Kingmaker. Yeah. Yay. And there it gets into more details and everything, but that's the gist of it. So it starts off with like hex crawl. So you could kind of go, all right, we're going to go over in this area. You know, and as you go there, you have to go through five different hexes. Now, some of those, you know, the GM's going to know like, oh, in the third one, there's this. In the first two, there really isn't anything but maybe some random encounters. But they don't necessarily have to go, you know, down path A. They can go down path B or C or whatever. So it's sandboxy in that nature. But again, what I'm kind of alluding to is that eventually you're going to have to get on some type of railroad. Well, there, there's a path, right? And I think the idea with a sandbox is <clears throat> that you're picking the railroad you want to be on. You want to find the one with the best scenery, the one that goes to the, the nicest section of the mountains or takes you down the swamps. Wherever it is, you're picking the path. Because at a certain point, no matter how many branches you have or how many plastic dinosaurs or you know whatever's buried in the sandbox, whatever analogy we want, at a certain point, you picked up the one, and that's the one you really like, and that's the one you're going to play with. So you pick that branch – you're heading in that direction. There will come a certain point, usually, that you've gone so far down it that going backwards really isn't going to happen anymore. And I think then, again, to make a railroad uh, palatable to most folks, even at a convention game. I mean, there's there's the stories about the guys who are like, okay, what, um, where are you going? I go in the dungeon. I go to the right. Okay, then this happens. I go left, then that happens. I go to here, then that happens. And then, and then you all die. It's this railroad to a total party kill. And some of those... Some of the adventures have that that feeling to them, right? If you don't want to do that, if you want to feel like at some point they could get halfway through that adventure and say, you know what, I got to bail. I, I I think we're we're not tough enough for this thing or whatever it is we got to do. We got to we got to sort something else out. You have to allow the environment to work with them, right? So they get down there, heading whatever direction they're going. They pick the path. They say, geez, I don't know if this is the right path anymore. We picked up the plastic dinosaur. We headed down this this road out of the sandbox, beginning. And I really think we should have picked up the bucket instead of the plastic dinosaur here. Fuck, we should go backwards. Well, you if you don't want them to do that anymore, if you don't have the time or energy or, or even if it doesn't make any sense from a story perspective, you have to, within the environment, come up with a decent reason to shut them down. It can't have that Game Master Fiat where I want to cross river. River swollen with torrential rains, no way across. Okay, um, I'll wait for it to subside. It won't. The torrential rains last for six months in this t- in this part of the town, and you've got or this part of the country. Oh, Jesus Christ! I mean, it, when you have these no, no, no way, never answers where there's no option around it and nothing else you can do, then there's the def- definite feel of that of the dreaded railroad. It's a bad railroad. There's no the scenery sucks. the The food blows. There's nothing good on this trip anymore. You're just going to work. Right? You're just going from one end to the other. And I'm uh, totally mixing my metaphors here. But the point is, is that if you go down there and you're like, you know what? We want to cross the river because we think it's an easier way to get to the dragon's lair. Let them do it. You know, you can get them over there and take the encounter with the orcs that you had between them and the dragon on the east branch of the river. You can put it on the west branch of the river. It's not that freaking difficult. Right. Move it from one side to another. And then nobody minds that they're on a railroad because they made a choice and the environment responded to said choice. And it's an ecology perspective. The environment responded, and off they go. Yeah, off you go. So when you design or you write up an adventure, Sean, so I, don't, you're in I don't write adventures. No, it's, but even if you've got one in your head, right? Yeah. And or or if you buy a pre 
pre-published one, you pick it up. Do you look at some, I mean, when you've read one, and you go through and say, holy shit, this is a railroad to death, or this is a railroad to this thing, there are no options, nothing I could see other than this very clear path. Have you ever seen such a thing? I haven't, or am I? I haven't read anything that's gone, that has been so rigid and that's going to, I mean, I am sure I've read ones that if they are handled in a particular way, that it would lead to a TPC to TPC, TPK. TPK. God, man. Uh, TPK. Total Party Cleric is a TPC. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of mixed up my acronyms. Um, so it could go to a t- Total Party Kill. It doesn't happen often, and I don't really see it. The one place that I tend to see it more, um, and I, I haven't read a ton of them recently, is the like Adventure Paths. Not Adventure Paths. Organized Play for, like say, Paizo, and I haven't played, I haven't even read organized plays encounters for D&D, but the one for Paizo, um, for Pathfinder and the Pathfinder Society, and if you're not familiar with that, um, Pathfinder Society, you can go and I think it's like $3 a module and it's organized play. So there's a rule set. It's obviously Pathfinder rules, but it's uniform across the entire society and you can play at different cons and level your guy up. But um, in some of those, they get pretty crazy. Now, in a lot of them, they'll have three to four, I think, encounters in a module. Some of them, uh, not all of them have to go like one, two, three, four in sequential order. But eventually you may have to hit, you know, two, you're going to have to hit those in some fashion. Like you may have to go to one, three or four one, two, and three. What's kind of classic at the end of the in somewhere in this dungeon or somewhere in this thing is the widget that kills the bad guy. Right. If I don't find the widget that kills a bad guy, we're fucked because without said widget, bad guy is invulnerable to the widget. So I must go find the thing to kill him. It doesn't matter how I get to the thing, but I have to do it. And that's another kind of railroad component, right? It's not just I started at the door to the dwarven mines and I'm gonna get to the bottom of the dwarven mines and fight whatever bad guys. I'm clearing the mines, right? That's the plan. That's the adventure. All our characters are purpose-built and driven to do this. <clears throat> but if the only way to win through to the end is by these three individual steps, and you must follow them in order to get there, then it's locked. There's no option. I don't have an option anymore. If I don't get the clues in the right order or I don't solve them appropriately, I can't win. There's nothing I can do. There's basically only one way to solve the root problem, be that kill the bad guy, save the world, or whatever other piece you have there. Whenever you have a very specific linchpin or linchpins that holds the entire plot together, to me, that stinks more of a railroady thing than anything else. Because then it has this feel, if you will, of the open mini branch structure. I can come at it all these different ways. But at the end of the day, the game master has that evil grin like, well, you know, you didn't find the uh, the widget of bad guy killing, so too fucking bad. There's no The bad guy can't be killed. Well, I didn't know that. Jesus, we didn't find that thing. Yeah, I remember the hermit who talked to you, and he said about the amazing widget, and you didn't ask him further. Well, I don't know. He told us ten things. Well, too bad. You didn't look into the widget, therefore you didn't get anything. That is kind of a... That, that, to me, that's that stinks more of the railroad than anything else. When there's only one way to solve the problem. Regardless of how creative you are, regardless of how good your party is, you come upon this thing and too bad you didn't follow the one thing in this adventure, whether it be pre-published or one you've done yourself. That's to me, that's a railroad more than anything else. Well, and I kind of agree with you and then kind of say, ah, it's bullshit. Why is it bullshit? Well, because I think that, uh, because I think there are some plot designs and some adventures that that there there may be one one key component that has to I that has to be addressed, and if it's not, that's okay. But then there's repercussions for not addressing it. So well, I guess okay. I mean, like in Call of Cthulhu, it's classic that way, right? You don't have the bind whatever spell; you're fucked at the end because then it eats you. Right. I mean, I, I, I get that. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's true. But it, yeah, 
Or, I mean, it's kind of like if you go through a lot of movies, there's, you know, some things you could see getting it. Uh, maybe there's multiple paths to this particular point, but eventually it's going to come down to that one point. So, for example, if you go, uh, so, I don't know, you come across a, a component and it's a magic item and it's maybe a, a, a piece of a staff that's this long, you know, a foot It's like long. it's a rod seven parts to it. Yeah, yeah, something to that effect, right? Yeah, a rod of seven parts and you find one part, but you don't know... You don't know that you're supposed to get the rod of seven parts. Nobody has spelled it out to you. But for whatever reason, you're going along in your adventure and eventually it's it's uh, it's divulged, right? So maybe you found one and you're like, oh, I don't know what this is. And maybe you go and try to get somebody to say, hey, you know, tell me what this is. Because whoever, what the person we had it, gotten it from, thought this was really important. Or they're trying to like zap us over the head and get this piece, but we don't know what it is, but it's got to be something important. And a person divulges, yeah, it's a rod of seven parts. It's, a, it's an art, uh, artifact that does this, this, and this. And the prophecy says that there's a evil being that rises on the third moon of the second month of the year of the dragon or whatever it is. And then you need the seven parts to do that. So it's yeah, it's a railroad, but at the well, same that, that's time, that's a different. To me, that's a little bit different because where I think what you described makes some sense, right? But where oh, I'm right. talking Yay! about, Woo, it made sense. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God, that hurts a little bit when I said that. It's kind of right in the back of my neck. Um. Anyway, <laughs> I like this spasm at my medulla oblongata or something. Anyway, point is, is now if you had the rod, and you're like, I don't know what the hell this is. I don't think it's that important. Bad guy tries to attack you, and in the middle of the bad guy's attacking you speech, he's supposed to say, give me the rod. Fuck it. Boom. Mage gets in a lucky lightning bolt. He's dead. Oh, I don't know what he came at us for. We can't figure it out. we got this rod stashed in our pack. And I don't happen to, or my fellow players don't happen to ask the question. We don't go to, you know, you know, the mighty sage Seth, and Seth doesn't give us the information. And he's the only sage in all the land who could tell me what this rod is. But I don't make it there. And then I, as Game Master, say, well... I'm looking at this adventure, the way I wrote it, or the way it's published, and it says, look, um, you're supposed to get from point A to point B, and after point B, you have to go talk to Sage Seth. And you haven't talked to Seth. Well, too bad for you. Then you get to the end, and guess what? The dragon eats you, or whatever it is. In three days, the Cthulhu rises and devours the world. If you're going to do that, <clears throat> have one particular piece of information, an artifact, or mostly, to me, intel as to where you're supposed to go, you need to give it to the players in some way. Now, granted, if you're playing a Call of Cthulhu game and you fail certain knowledge checks or whatever it is, that setting and that whole cosmos, some folks will, will argue is it's okay if that happens, right? It's cosmic horror. Some, you, you didn't get to Professor Armitage and didn't ask him what this thing was, and therefore you died. Too bad. That's the way that goes. Now, if I set that type of or that world aside and take a D&D world or even vampire or <clears throat> a spy game or anything like that, if the only person who has this info is this one dude or woman and you don't happen to talk to her and the game master's like, I'm sorry, that's where the information was. You didn't bother to get it, therefore you can't complete the mission. I don't know. That just making it a – like I'm building an entertainment system, right? Slot Tab A and a slot B. Get this, then this, then this, then this. And at the end, I have an entertainment center. That just – that – stinks of railroad more than anything else because there's no I can't get from the end to the or excuse me from the beginning to the middle or back or I can't do anything else other than follow the prescribed directions and that bothers me. I'm not saying everybody does that but I have been there where it's been done. I uh and I can yes. And uh where that takes place a lot is uh espionage games. As a matter of fact, misdirected mark guys, Phil Vecchione is running Knights Black Agents. And okay. he just recently ran into you know he ran into a situation where he uh listening to Chris talk about it, I guess what there was a they were going through the adventure and they they just got frustrated and I think they called it a night. But 
even Phil had mentioned that there is usually when you're running a modern type game or an espionage game, which Knights Black Agents is kind of based on. It's based on a vampire conspiracy, and you're out to. What's Jason? It's Jason Bourne versus Dracula. Right. Is the idea? You're a super motherfucking badass Jason Bourne beating vampires. Well, typically in those games, you run in, you run to the point uh, of you get to that point where you're like, oh well, and maybe not, maybe not. Well, I killed the person, and they had the secret, and now you can't do anything. But you do get to the point as player characters where you're not sure what to do. Like you're thinking and thinking, but you don't have enough to actually take action in a particular way. Or you think you don't have enough or in the case of like a gumshoe system, like trailer Cthulhu Cthulhu, or which can happen in Knights Black Agents, which is a gumshoe based system. You actually have too much damn information where you're up to your eyeballs and clues and shit that you've collected, and sometimes you have too much, and you don't even know how to sort through it. And when you have that, that can feel like you're stymied as well, where the environment gave you so much crap through use of your skill pools and your investigating skills and so on, you, you just, I don't know what to fucking do. I'm just overloaded. Right. I can see that. Yeah, and some games have a mechanic that can deal with that. So, oh, I think in Spycraft E20, I think there is a... Oh, it's not fame points. Ah, well, crap. Even if you take the mechanic component of it out before... Action points. Action points, okay. Even before I had... Before I used a system that would have perhaps had a mechanic for it, one of the things I would do is the players would ever eventually get together when I would run Vampire back in the day. They would have tons of fucking detail, all this information, trying to figure out who's doing what to whom, get all these guys in the room, all the players are there, and... Kristen doesn't know what Aaron's doing, and Lenny doesn't know what Chris is up to. They're all trying to share data, keep secrets, try to sort things out. And they're landed out there, and they look at me like, we are fried, dude. We are lost. We do not know what to do. <laughs> so for me, then, I say, okay, now let's just take a moment, and this is what I heard. And I will repeat back to them what they said, saying, you're saying that X, Y, and Z, but you're trying to find out A. Is that really what you guys are focused on right now? And sometimes, for me, that was the the game master mechanic, if you will. Instead of having them roll a die, I would take the situation they're in. <clears throat> God, I hate this cold. Take the situation they're in and present it to them in a organized fashion, saying, this is what we just talked about. You guys are mentioning X, Y, and Z, and you're trying to find out this piece. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that true? And the reason I would do that because then the players would say, yeah, that's it. Or, no, no wait a minute, I don't know if we're definitely trying to get over there or not. So they would noodle on that a little bit and then come back and say, okay, yeah, we're trying to get to this. Okay, you want to get to that thing. <sighs> what information do you have that points there? And then I would poke them a little bit. And, you know, just not giving more info, but just kind of taking what they already have and helping them push it along. If nothing else, sometimes, from my perspective as a game master, it's difficult. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, I'm... Maybe I'm wrong in this, but when you're playing, what? Car- what, what? <laughs> that hurt too on the other side. It's of recorded. Minute. Awesome. <laughs> the other oh, shit. Where was I going? Anyway, when you're playing a um, maybe I was wrong with a that. character. When you're ca- playing a character, no, I, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> so when you're playing a character that is like the god king of occult and all magic, you as a player are most likely not the god king of all those occult and magic, unless that happens to be your thing. Last time I checked, I don't play with Aleister Crowley, so I, I can't sort that out or or whomever else it might might be self-styled as. But anyway, point being is then I as Game Master can say, now remember, your guy has X number of points or skills in this thing. That would give you an edge in figuring out this particular problem. And then I'm leveraging the mechanics of the system. Now that's perhaps not how the game designer it's um, or designers may have wanted that mechanic to be foisted, if you will, upon the players. But when Sean looks at me and goes, God, what, what do we do with this? Say, I would say, Sean, remember, your guy is the spycraft dude who knows more about you know, counterterrorism than anyone else in the group, right? Oh, shit, you're right, I do. I've got like counterterrorism up the yin-yang. I should totally do a counterterrorism check. Hell Boom, yeah. And there off you go. So to me, that's where the sandbox, where it gets a little wonky, you know, when people are going off and getting wherever they want, and pulling data together, that is one of those opportunities where they're in, in, impacting the world around them and they're trying to get somewhere. Now that, though, is a case of they have the information, 
where they have enough clues that should point them towards the info. They just don't know how to put the puzzle together to get there. What I was talking about, to go back at the beginning, <coughs> are those adventures that I've been in and I have read in years past where you must go from room one to room five, back to room two, and then to the end. Because that's the only way that you're going to put together that these, that these two sticks, when screwed together at the right time in this room, form into the staff of bad guy killing, you can then take to the end room. Where if you, you know, if you don't follow a very set of prescribed things, and then, from a Game Master perspective, I offer no assistance. The adventure states, either I wrote it or I'm reading it, and it states that you must go from here to here, and that's it. If you take the old Tomb of Horrors, for instance, at one point, if you get all the way to the end, or what you think is the end, and the fake Lich's tomb, spoiler, spoiler, the whole thing collapses and you walk out, <laughs> Gary Gygax says there a note saying, start packing up the module. And basically saying, boy, I guess that wasn't as tough as you guys thought it was. And start packing the module up in front of the players so that they think that was it. And that's it. You know, it, it's that type of thing where you're hiding details or the, I'm sorry, you, you didn't specifically say, you didn't certainly ask or go to this one thing to get the widget to go kill the bad guy. Therefore, you can't do anything. Again, to me, that is more of a railroad than, um, than anything else. Some of those, though, I think are just, uh, they're just puzzles or, hey, man, you got to throw the damn ring in the freaking mountain yeah. of doom. Yeah, I guess. There's a difference, though, between puzzles and, how do I do this? There's a difference, though, between like, look, this is a puzzle game. You can sort that out. Oh, I have a puzzle. I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. But if there is no other way. I'm sorry you failed your check. Okay, um, next guy try. Sorry you failed your check. Okay, how, how do I get past this? Yeah, some of those are bad because I think that a lot of people will say if you – so I have heard tons of times that if you require a check to move the story forward, you shouldn't have a check. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That is – where the scenery on your railroad starts to suck ass. Well, that's a GM that has to kind of under... So the GM has to hear a podcast like us or other ones that are out there that state that. If GMs, if you haven't listened to any other podcast and you're only listening to us, if a check is required to, to move, your story move the story forward... Remove the check and spoon feed it to the players. There's a, there's other ways to do it, all right? I mean, and this is where I know Lenny and I have talked about this. My my buddy around like Call of Cthulhu, where if you don't get the clue, then sometimes you know the world blows up. That is a trail of Cthulhu or a Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu. The, well, that's, um, and that's yeah. probably the problem, right? That's probably why. Well, that was one Ken of the and those why, guys. Did that's trail. why they. That's why Trail came out. Yeah. And there's other ways we could talk about trail and versus that in another podcast. But if the preset and pre-understood and appreciated premise of your world is that, look, if you fuck up this knowledge role, you might not figure out the thing that you need. I'm playing Call of Cthulhu. I understand it. I'm playing the Chaosium version. I know what I'm getting into. And if I screw this thing up, <clears throat> we might not get it. Now, that, though, to me is still... It's not around what I would consider like the silly physical tests or you have to be able to make an open locks roll to get into this door. If you don't properly use your driving skill, the boat crashes and everybody dies. If you fail to do the Cthulhu-y thing, I don't learn this. I don't find the clue about who the bad guy is. I don't learn who the head priest is. I don't do this. That, to me, is an acceptable way for a Call of Cthulhu skill check to damn the entire party to eternal night and so on. If it's because... We're in the train, and the train engineer is supposed to be killed, and I need to stop the train, but I fail my train-stopping check, and I <laughs> totally fail it, and I crash the fucking train, and everybody dies. That is, to, to me, that is not where that story should break. It doesn't make sense to me. Some of those examples that you bring up seem very overly heavy-handed. That's the point. That's where people hate the railroad, right? They will feel it's the heavy hand. You feel the GM fiat just smacking you down, saying, "No, well, whack, can't go there. Whack, nope. This time, sorry, you died. Whack, yeah. you failed this roll." I agree with you, and I. But I also think that you can get these people to fail rolls and get them to feel helpless. And oh man, 
Now what are you going to do? But eventually throw them a bone within the adventure. So for example, it has to be more than one option. If my train stopping skill won't work, who's got airplane? Who's got something else? That who's got try who's got jump off the fucking train? Yep, exactly. Skill. Sorry, sorry. The train is the train's wired shut. All the doors are are you know stuck. So even if we throw <clears throat> now, the flip is when I've I've heard people with the whole well, sandboxes are so much better, so much better because they're all open ended. And I, uh, I think the, I, I think they could be really bad though, because then you get into the like I don't know what the hell to do anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. There has to be some structure, I guess, is where I'm going. We, and we touched on this before. I just want to hammer on a bit more because we're just beating up the the railroad component a bit. Is that if you're going to play in a sandbox, you've got to have at least some possible structured events that people could get on if they want them. Right there's a plastic dinosaur. There's a pail. There's something you can grab in that sandbox to play and have fun with. Cat turd, or a cat turd if that's your if that's your pre- pre- preference. No, I agree. Yeah, and that pail, uh, the pail or shovel or whatever you want to. God, we <clears throat> metaphors everywhere. Um, we start talking railroads and sandboxes. You're stuck with metaphors. There's nothing right. you can do with it. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I think you got to have like the the quest. All right, mine's a fan Fandolin or mine mine's a Fandelver. Mine of Fandelver. There's no S in mines in that stupid adventure. I don't know why I, I, they keep saying that. Lost mine of Fandelver. They go to Fandolin and they run into NPCs and they give them all these. You know, oh, you, I need somebody to do this. I need somebody to do that. So, uh, lots of different options. What do you do? What do you do, players? Well, we really need to find this guy. Great. You have all this info. Go do what? What do you think will? And some of it will, and some of them are blatantly obvious. If you follow this, you may find the key to finding your your lost person. And the well, other I, ones maybe maybe something else. If I take my current uh, sci-fi game, my Murder City game, there is there are six people who are murdered in a hotel, um, and all the player characters show up to try to solve this thing it's a wacky how come we're all here this doesn't make any sense and there's a reason why everything is slightly off of the standard and they're piecing all that stuff together the end game of this quasi sandboxy thing is they need to find out what happened in the process of finding out what happened there are sub pieces of it why the hell are there nine of us when normally there's only one or two that's weird that the judicial system would have assigned all of us to to this one thing that's wonky how come should I, system, should I divulge all the reasons? No, don't do that. <laughs> <clears throat> How come this happened? How come that happened? There's lots of different pieces. When they've met NPCs, they get a personality, they get some quick background and something on it. I don't say, well, this is the Yuzarian so-and-so, and he blah, 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 and just this diatribe of what this person is. They have enough info about this individual, how he runs the external security system, and his team are a certain way, and they're trying to sort out how come this has happened and blah, blah. The main piece of it, though, is what the fuck or who the fuck killed these six people in these horrible various different fashions? That, Watson, is the question. <clears throat> exactly. But they have all these other paths they can take. How do they want to sort it out? Do they want to talk with the, <clears throat> with the, uh, with the hotel itself, which happens to be a, um, a sentient AI being and has its own legal rights to want it. Do I want to deal with the hotel? Do they want to deal with the security um, crew? Do they want to dig more into who else paid certain monies to all this stuff? So <clears throat> they have a lot of different ways to go about it. But at the end of the day, they're all pulling data together, which will help them solve the problem. And the problem is these people are murdered. Who fucking did it? So that's where they're going. How they get there doesn't much matter. It's kind of I've called this an alpha and omega thing is how I've done a lot of my adventure planning is that it's before I heard the term sandbox. That's what I had used. I have a beginning piece that, Hey, you guys are going to start here in this city with this thing with your characters. I'm going to introduce this event at the end of it. I have a pretty good idea. The big thing we know that that'll wrap up this storyline of this campaign arc, how you get there will vary. And I've got plenty of clues and cool, interesting things I'm going to throw at you. But how your flow chart gets you from the alpha to the omega varies by person to person. But everything will eventually get you there. 
the fact though is that it's not you only have one flow path. When you look at that flow chart, what happens when you come here? No information, go back to beginning. No information here, go over here. It's a complex chart, if you will, <clears throat> or diagram to figure out how to get from point A to point B. You could go straight down the middle of it if you picked everything up and did it perfect. So I guess long way around, that's the type of thing that so far I've used with good effect with my group is that it could be a railroad, but instead of prescribed events at prescribed times, I have a series of events that are designed to keep the players going with lots of different information. I have all the clues, I have all the data, and I'm going to give it to them at some point, and they can get it in all these different locations, but that's how they go through a sandbox for me, is they've got to be able to get stuff that the environment reacts and coughs up the data so that they can get to the end. That sounds great, man. There it is, in a nutshell. Well, so, but you're though, I mean, you run a lot of uh, pre-published modules. I do. So when you're doing Mind of Over or anything else, when you're doing it, do you do it always as written? If the module has a fail in it, like, I'm sorry, um, uh, let's, let's pick on um, Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil. I don't know if you've read or played that. I haven't. I've read part of it. <clears throat> There is a room in there, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Thrommel. He's this horrible anti-paladin vampire dude. And if I'm remembering it correctly, and uh, it's basically he is a monster in a room, right? Is kind of how it seems written. I close the door. <laughs> exactly. Walk out. Now, if you were to take that and say, no, I don't think that's how that – he hears noise outside. He hears a fight outside. You know, I mean, it's one of those – you can then take Thrommel and have him play like a different person. You could have him take over different things. You can have the environment react differently. But the module itself doesn't say to. Mm. Are you one of those guys that you know, will freely hack, hack him up, or do you like to play him as written? I'll do whatever I can to screw with the party. Seriously? doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it depends. I took out the ending and replaced it with Care Bears. <laughs> it, it, de- <laughs> it depends on how it's written. I don't usually mess with the modules too much unless uh, unless I come up with like an idea that I can uh, that I can implement that may be better or can tack on to it. But otherwise, I don't know. I would love to sit and kind of hash out a huge campaign arc and adventures. I just don't have... I actually say I don't have the time. I probably don't have the creativity to be able to do it effectively. Otherwise, I may have to railroad people. Oh, no, man. I spent like two days figuring this out. You've got to go down this goddamn path or you're really going to piss me off. I wrote this adventure over two months, you bastards. You just went left instead of right. Motherfuckers. Oh, man. We got to go, though. We got to go on to die roll. All right. Die roll two to five things that we we come across that we want to share with you whether it's related to gaming hunting in the great white north or anything else we or, have to be or geekery yeah brett has three got, i've got three of them he stole one of mine but i did whatever. i got in here faster than he did so i'm a hellboy fan um and i also like beer so rogue uh brewing company has red hand of doom ale a Hellboy-themed beer. I need to find me a bottle of that. It looks awesome. If for no, if for no other reason than I want the bottle. <laughs> I kinda, you think I'm pay- assuming it'll taste good. I've never had a bad Rogue beer, but I'm hoping that I can get myself a bottle of that. think they're paying royalties for that? I'm pretty sure they are. Huh. I saw Mike Magnola signing uh, bottles on a couple of different pages, so oh. it's kind of cool. I don't need one of those. I just want to find the the beer itself. I think uh, my buddy Kevin can probably set me up. He's the uh, the beer snob aficionado. So if, if anybody can find it, I'm pretty sure Kevin can. <clears throat> the other one I have is Drive Through RPG is still doing a big D and D sale. They've got a lot of PDFs and so forth out there. Big sales, lots of uh, really cool stuff. Fifteen percent higher off on a lot of really cool things. I we was able to grab. This, we covered this last episode. I know. I just oh, wanted okay. to call it out again, though. I got I got some really cool stuff on there. When's it end? It ends like soon. I it does end soon. That's that was my point. I just wanted to call it out there. Hopefully. I think it ends at the end of this month, end of February. Yeah, so hopefully, if people want it, get out there and just poke around. If you're looking for stuff, I mean, granted, it's always nice to have some of the old school things, hard copy. But to uh, what we were just talking about, if you're missing <clears throat> some of those old school adventures and uh, our railroad and uh, sandbox concepts made you think of one, go out there. They probably have it. I'm not even getting paid to send people there. Damn it. I should get paid to send we people there. We have an there. affiliate on our, our blog. I know. Yeah, I know. 
Hello. Hey, and if you're going to buy any of those D&D things, go to our website, click on click the through that way. Click on the affiliate link on the right-hand page and we get like some credits. And frankly, if we get a ton of credits because Brett owns the entire RPG one bookshelf library, we'll <laughs> actually buy something out of there and we'll raffle it away. Absolutely. Absolutely. The last one I had is there's an open call for de- adventure designers for the new uh, D&D Adventures League. It's got eight days left as of today, which is February 22nd, 2015. No, no, no. So, it, it ends the 28th. 28th? Oh, I saw their website said eight days left. Which was, yeah, eight days when they posted it. When did eight they post it? they posted it. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Is it in the 25th? Date, oh, I can't. Dates I can't are wacky on the internet. I can't do math either. That doesn't help us any. Yeah. But I, anyhow. They point had is, eight days, the, like three days ago. <laughs> was, was it three days ago? Shit. Dude, I don't even know where I am right now. <laughs> anyway, we'll have the link posted on in the show notes. Hopefully, if uh, Better get right you're in. into it. If you're into it, read the read the fine print for Craig. Don't trust me. <laughs> all things and nothing else. Check it out. It it's may awesome. say, you know, in, in all fairness to Brad, it probably does say eight days. But then the article was, I think, written on the twentieth. He's, he's looking it up right now. I'm totally I looking it up right now. Um, yeah, it says eight days left. We will be accepting submissions for this open call until February twenty eighth. So there a few you go. Days left. Who's your daddy? Shout <sighs> your daddy. Shout your daddy. This sucks. You've been right twice today, Andrew. Ah, I got this twinge in my neck now, and it all comes around. My, all right, your turn. I gotta go get another beer. My or listeners, anyway. number one wacky style five E sheet. I say wacky. That's not right. I shouldn't say it's wacky, but it is very uh, non traditional five E sheet that was posted out on Google Plus. It was found on Reddit via Reddit. So I have the link to the individual's Reddit. And then I have a link to the actual character sheet. It's like a lot of circles, and it's a 5e sheet. It, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. And it, I think it actually, even if you don't like the sheet, it can stem some creativity and say, hey, I don't really like exactly that, but I like this. Or that leads me to want to do that and design your own sheet. But check it out. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. It'll be at gamingnbs forward slash 024. Uh, number two, Roll, a mobile RPG app. Um, So I have a link to the Escapist magazine and not directly to the app. And it talks a little bit about Roll, and then I think they have a video. And uh, from what I I haven't downloaded it and checked it out myself, but some of the feedback I've seen where it's, it's got its own rules and it's all done using like your mobile phone. And some of you are going to go, ah, that's dumb and I don't like it and that's okay. But just check it out anyway. Um, you never know. And some of those that have never heard of this and don't really care what other people have to say, check it out yourself, form your own opinion, let us know what you think. It's just cool to see the direction people are trying to take the hobby, right? I mean, whether you like, um, you know, the the app type of format or the cases, just people trying to stretch it and move it. If it takes yeah. off, great. You know, that's it's just neat to see people are into it enough. Like, hey, I think I could take it over here. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, and that's like that. one reason why I kind of piqued my interest. And I think Sage Latora had originally posted it out on Google Plus. Um, and if you don't know who Sage is, he's one of the um, individuals with um, that had done Dungeon World. And so Sage has oh, done a cool. few things. Yeah, so um, check that out. Let us know what you think. Number three. Props for Esoterrorist RPG. Uh, Esoterrorist by Pelgrin Press is a gumshoe system-based role-playing game that I believe is like on secret societies and more X-Files versus like Call of Cthulhu. Or it's a non – think if you know Delta Green, it's kind of quasi-Delta Green but without the Cthulhu mythos. Some right. of the cre- I mean a lot of the creatures and the Outer Dark stuff you work through, uh, some of the creatures they put out in like the Book of Unremitting Horror and some of those things are – Fucking crazy, bad, scary shit. So um, this is cool. I had not seen this link until Sean put it up there. I so, like. I'm an esoterist fan myself. So there's an individual who just posted on Google Plus and said, "Hey, I have a blog and I'm running the esoterist uh, RPG, and people have asked me to post things about some of the props that I use." And I believe by just quick glance, they'll do like old photographs, newspaper clippings, things like that, that kind of just add spice. And if you haven't checked it out, we did do an episode on props 
I don't know what episode it was, but it was like five episodes ago, I think. So maybe episode 19-ish. I don't know. But anyways, I thought that was pretty cool. Because I think um, when you run Trail of Cthulhu, uh, or I should say Gumshoe System, props are are pretty cool to just throw on the table. and well, Any kind of really hardcore investigative system, yeah. Call Cthulhu, and that, that one just jumps to mind. But uh, when you throw props in there, it just it really adds to that whole I found the secret thing that nobody else has perspective. It's really neat. Cool. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So railroading, if you want to leave a comment on the show regarding railroads, sandboxes, if you've got a GM that's doing it and how do you deal with it as a player, maybe drop us a line at gamingnbs forward slash zero two four. Um Yeah. Or, no, it'd be, it, it'd be cool because I'm, I know what Sean and I described is what or what we defined. It may not be how you define it. Um, I'd be interested to see what other folks have to say about the uh, the definitions and which one they prefer, you know, how it's done. Yeah, until our next episode, I am your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.